Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Funny Face, directed by Stanley Donan, Judas and the Black Messiah by Shaka King, Cop Shop by Joe Carnahan, The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion, and newly released Belfast, directed by Kenneth Branagh. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy Boy, how's it going? Uh, I say it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. How was your uh, week of movies, man? Uh, week was good. We have, of course, uh, a very old film in here, and I'll just talk about that. What I'll what I'll be doing for February, uh, but uh, continuing to chip away at a lot of Oscar films or Oscar nominated films or soon to be. Uh, you know, basically the buzz around that. Want to make sure that we can go through what was in the film festival circuit now having a theater run and, and kind of going through those. Yeah, yeah, a lot of 2020 releases, 2021 mm-hmm. releases, I should say. But, um, yeah, we really just have that one in theaters, though, that last one, that mm-hmm. Belfast. Exactly. Everything else pretty much got kicked out of theaters by now. Yep. yep. Very cool. Okay, so should we start with that That kind of the old one? Absolutely. One? All right. Absolutely. So we're going all the way back to uh, 1957. Very cool. It's uh, Aubrey Hepburn, Fred Astaire movie. Mm-hmm. And this one is Funny Face. Uh, yes, and the start of... Fred Astaire, February. I don't know if we'll commit to that for year after year. Uh, very early on, folks, when when Tom and I were just doing this for you know our own benefit and kind of categorizing our our movie reviews, this was one of the first things or first type of watch list things that I did because I always loved Fred Astaire, but. How do you navigate what is a good Fred Astaire movie? You know, there's simple romances with dancing and musical and whatnot. So uh, February always, you know, in, in the <laughs> theme of love uh, was uh, always uh, something I dedicate to Fred Astaire movies. So. Yeah, we, we always just so, so just so you folks know, like, you know, the reason why we were able to have, you know, we do five films a week now, but we have hundreds on this site, you know, for literally years and years, Vin and I would just get together. You know, we would mm-hmm. see each other every month, every other month, sometimes every three months well, yep. and it's just like alright what kind of movies do you watch and then we, we like started doing the scores and yep. building up and now it became this but like even when we were just like doing it for like literally it was just me and you yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it's like pet project it's so long ago we were like let's do alright well how can we do uh, like alright Fred Astaire February yeah. Yeah. it's just like for no one else but our enjoyment <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> but so. uh, I love it I love it yeah so this is the continuing of that and and hopefully uh, we'll have something something nice in the works for Fred because uh, I am a massive fan of his footwork and uh, what he does on screen this is a movie funny face much more for a vehicle 
article for Audrey Hepburn. Um, she is our lead uh, with Fred Astaire and Key Thompson. I'm not familiar with her. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to be crossing paths with a lot of older actors and actresses, uh, but they are more supporting to Audrey. And for that reason, not really a vehicle for Fred. Uh, this wasn't for the podcast, but not too long ago, Tom, we talked about uh, The Towering Inferno, where Fred was a, uh, a supporting role. This is later on in his career. This is, I believe, 57. So believe it or not, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say past his prime, but... You know, when we talk about the heavy hitter Fred Astaire movies, you know, that's 20s, 30s, 40s. You know, this is already now 57. Oh, he went back to the 20s, Fred Astaire? I believe Top Hat is 29, I want to say. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, So, uh, nonetheless, uh, (laughs) Funny Face is a pretty great film uh, and and, and on a lot of lists for Fred Astaire, but I would not pitch this as a vehicle for him. This is definitely Audrey Hepburn's show. Uh, I would say from an elevator pitch, uh, folks at home, this is a simple musical romance set in the world of fashion and largely specifically Paris for the runtime. I would say Lover's of Paris uh, and, 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 and French culture and, and, and obviously the, the fashion circuit uh, of the time of late 50s. Definitely this, this will be a, a good watch for you because there's so much time put into the love affair with the city, uh, a little bit of the stylings at the time of French intellectuals and uh, Fred Astaire and, and Key Thompson. They both play kind of the straight man and woman to that. Uh, so uh, that's where a lot of the comedy lies. But for all intents and purposes, a very straightforward uh, musical romance comedy of the time that's in the stylings of those early uh, Fred Astaire movies, but once again, uh, much later in his career. I would say for the setting, we have a really creative set work that plays into the filming uh, of this movie. Uh, for me, when I look at a rom-com, mm-hmm. or a musical for that instance, but rom-com specifically, the question I'm asking is, all right, this I may really enjoy the performances on screen. I may be really you know, swept up in the romance or something like that. But why is this film great? Why? How does it separate itself in, in being unique? And how does it separate itself in uh, you know, being much more than just the, the rom-com story? And for Funny Face, there is some really creative set work. Uh, specifically, there's a bookshelf sequence that they knock out the back of the bookshelf uh, and they are. Uh, we we basically see the characters through uh, you know if we were behind it oh, cool. uh, or yeah. it's broken through. Uh, a lot of that goes into the set work that we see with uh, the the French fashion industry and runways and and clearly uh, I think this resulted in historically this being nominated for an Oscar for some of its cinematography. And and I think it was actually cinematography that was nominated for. That's it then. But uh, going back, you know, obviously it's always, you know, a little bit difficulty to align yourself with the Academy, but uh, yeah, it was for best costume, best art direction, best cinematography, best mm -hmm. writing and, and as well. Yeah. 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 And typical, you know, costume, it's a, it's a movie about fashion, but that cinematography, I think, lies in, in some creative uh, creative work around the setting and, and specifically the prop work on screen. So, good stuff. Uh, choreography, I would say, is pretty light. Uh, if there's a reason why I wouldn't describe this as a Fred Astaire movie too much, he's obviously in it. He obviously does some dancing and has some solo time to dance. Choreography is very light. Uh, this is much more on the musical side than a, you know, a dance musical or something like okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, I would say it's probably not the best 
for that reason, but once again, I, I, I really want to drive home that this is a Hepburn movie primarily for that reason, and, uh, you know, by the numbers, you know, Hepburn is great on screen. I haven't watched too many of her films, but she is really enchanting. I believe she's, like, 28 by the time this movie is. Okay. And, uh, you know, her energy on screen is really, really infectious. Uh, she plays uptight at first, but the excitement she has getting introduced to the world of fashion, uh, it really, I mean, it's its a wonderful time. Uh, I think the best moments we have are when she loses maybe a little bit of um, aversion to Fred and Key trying to get her involved in this and seeing potential in her as a a model, as a dress, uh, uh, you know, a um, a fashion model in this industry, and as a muse for Fred's photography and and um, how he's portraying the designs in the in the fashion world. She's the excitement there works so well because it, I, I I I again I haven't seen much with her. But it there's it just, a re- there's a reason why we know her name exactly. She's yeah. that good. It, it, She's it, that good. Yeah, it really is. I think it, it boils down to her ability to really just show excitement on screen, show enthusiasm for uh, getting uh, being involved in a new world that's fresh to her and fresh for a lot of audiences' eyes. I, I especially watching this in the modern day. I don't think any of us can really recall what the fashion industry was like in late fifties, no less uh, Paris Fashion Week or anything like right, that. Right, right, of course. You know? So um, when, when it comes to that, I thought that was a, a big highlight. The highlights specifically for folks at home that may have seen this old film are the photo shoots. Uh, her smile when collaborating and doing the photo shoots with Fred. I mean, those are really where the film is at its best because we have excitement uh, and we have uh, very, very important to the romance side of this rom-com musical the chemistry between fred and and audrey is really at its at its height there so where i would want to kind of throw some criticism at this is the romance here is what i was scratching my head over uh, a stare and hepburn both extremely charming, you know what I mean? We're, we're talking about probably some of the most charming people you can ever <laughs> even engineer you know, in, 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 in all of humanity. So true. Uh, but there is just such an odd age difference. I mean, we're talking about a solid... 30 year literally gap. yeah so fred astaire born 99 i mean yeah, 18, 1899 <laughs> yeah. and hepburn was uh 29 1929 yeah. she was born yeah uh, and uh, this this it would not be uh too much of a problem but man it's just like not confronted at all in the film uh it, i mean like i'm not saying it has to be like a point of drama or anything like that but Right, it's not like she's playing an underage, and he's right, right. And Fred Astaire's character is supposed to be older too, obviously, like you know, physically looking. Right, right. He is supposed to be older. They make one joke about it in the film, but like for me, it was like it's something that really took me out because this thirty-year gap is just—it's too severe. It's—it doesn't sell the romance too well. Did it remind you a little bit of just like like old Roger Moore? What like like, oh because like Roger Moore's like last two films he's getting up there in age to be honest but he's still with like the hot young 
<laughs> Bond girls. It, I think that's that's it hits the nail on the head. There's okay. um, <laughs> there's not like a creepiness to it, but it's almost like well, when you don't recognize it or maybe even crack a joke about it, it just it leaves right, the audience you address it wondering. A bit. Exactly. Right. Yeah. If anything, tackle it head on and and make that part of the story like, in some way. Yeah. You know? Like make Hep like maybe have Hepburn you know in her own head struggling with should I go with an older man sure. or not or should I be with someone yeah. younger and yeah. Exactly. Uh, hell, uh, dedicate a musical number to it. You know, as show. Oh, uh, yeah, show Fred is limber and he can dance and he's not clearly, you know, right. not living his age. You know, uh, listen, you know, uh, Stair's my guy. You know, if he's <laughs> if he's getting <laughs> if he's getting twenty eight year old, uh, that's that's good. But uh, it just was a, a little bit odd and, and an odd pill to swallow for that reason. I think that really is my main critique of this film. Uh, uh, beyond that, I think this is a very cute, very charming musical. Uh, doesn't escape the typical second act frustration in the romance uh, which is always something that um, I'm going to be marking a rom-com for because it's just so generic it's so by the beats but this is we're also talking about 57 right here. yeah uh, yeah you know maybe a trendsetter in that type of arc uh, though I wasn't particularly thrilled by it I think the highlights of this film uh, and the you know, the really, really excellent work that it does to making all three characters charming, likable on screen, and making you want to pay attention to Audrey Hepburn's character's progression in the fashion world, I think this is a, a very solid movie. Uh, everyone is a delight on screen. I just would have liked uh, it to crack the mold a little bit of how the romance is portrayed and how... We create drama around the romance, mm-hmm. other than the typical second act, like oh, and now they're on the odds again. You know right, what I mean? Right, sure, so. yeah. And again, it's in fifty-seven, but we're in the here and now. We're exactly. Watching. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So for that reason, we will go ahead and give Funny Face a seventy on the dot. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Yeah, seven. That's great. I have to start watching more Fred Astaire movies. Oh. It- you're in luck. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Might be working on something. <laughs> and, I mean, as you said, it, it is a Hepburn movie, like, through and through. But yes. uh, it's just something that I think maybe it's a good jumping off point for, for people listening. I think so, yeah. You know? yeah. And certainly, you know, a little bit, actually, much fresher than, you know, Swing Time, I think, is 34, 32. You know, yeah, like, like I think yeah. he started mostly on, like, early 30s. I think yeah. Top Hat was, like, 35, I saw. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. so maybe not. Maybe yeah. getting into some films in late 20s, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. So. by that time, he is he's almost 30 years old, really. Really, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um okay awesome and 70 for funny face well we're gonna take a huge jump in time now <laughs> yeah because now we're in the 2021s but some of these movies we have coming up are not quite in theaters anymore yes you know we're just kind of doing some catch-up and everything like that especially for this year but we're gonna move on to judas and the black messiah yes and this is directed by uh shaka king yes uh, i i believe a, a first feature length uh, production for him as well uh because i was trying to look to if i saw anything i, I off the top of my head i don't think I have. This is, of course, the Oscar winner. You know, if you really want to be critical, uh, maybe, you know, 2020 wasn't the, you know, the most uh, competitive year <laughs> for the Oscars, but uh, this is a... Oh, it came out in 2020. Uh, it's 2020. I think it had its theater run, but it was in the running for 2020 Oscars. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, a 2021 release, uh, though, really swept uh, through the Oscars for 2020 nominations, possibly through screeners, uh, you know. Like early release kind of stuff. Early and release, like that. Yeah. absolutely. This could have been Film Circuit uh, or, or, you know, um, Film Festival. Yeah, type yeah, definitely thing. was, yeah. So for a wider release, uh, you can find this today on HBO Max uh, and a very solid movie. Uh, this is a fully biographical telling of the. Uh, 
an interloper, uh, quite literally a, a Judas uh, within the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers. This movie has a mad departed vibes for that reason. Really? Yes, it, it has that, um, that panic, that paranoia that comes into, you know, we're, we're, we're getting uh, a lot of the, the law side, uh, forcing, uh, and, you know, an interloper or, uh, you know, a rat, an agent, you know, on the inside. And while it's a great store structure for the story, I think why this film is truly great is, you know, are, are, are those historical beats. Um, mm. it's, it's where the film separates from, a very departed style structure because um, I don't want to over compare to it, but it, it really constantly had me thinking of it in, in certain segments. But when it separates from that, when it's trying to tell a semi-biographical account of what was going on in Chicago at this time, uh, it really is. That's, that's where this film is worth your time uh, and kind of carves a spot for itself. Our two leads are really just amazing. I am not a huge fan of Lakeith uh, Stanfield. Mm-hmm. I feel he's a little bit one note sometimes, uh, but this role is really under pressure in such a great way. And he really brings a lot of subtlety to how he's dealing with the pressure. There is a lot done to the type of language he uses, how he diffuses situations. There's a great sequence where uh, the Black Panthers are questioning him of how he came into possession of a car. Uh, you know, at the time, that's pretty rare, uh, especially for how law enforcement would be, you know, giving them scrutiny at the time. And uh, the back and forth, the type of pressure, I mean, it would have any audience member on the edge of their seat of how the hell he's navigating this. And I think Lakeith does a great job at incorporating good ways to diffuse and and selling with body language, selling the nervousness, selling the the on-edgeness of it. Mm. And and really, it, it, it's, it's a delight to see. So I'm happy that he was in this film going into this. Honestly, he was kind of a reason why I kind of backed off of it because he really is our lead, uh, to, be, to be fair. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, though, would earn this Oscar any day of the week. Really? Uh, I mean... <laughs> not to be a hipster about it, I have been a longtime fan since Black Mirror uh, earlier mm. on in his mm-hmm. career, that original run of uh, the three episodes. But man, he's his portrayal of Fred Hampton is not only spot on, uh, there's real footage at the end to kind of show that for the audience, but I did do some diving into uh, what Fred Hampton uh, sounded like, and there's there's such a such a, a great match to what he sounded like, the cadence of his rallies mm. uh, in public life. I think where this goes beyond just a matching of a character in public life is how we see him act in private life. Uh, there's a mild romance that happens throughout this film for this character, and that that separation between public and private life and seeing Daniel follow through on that performance, man, it is, it is top notch. I think uh, he earns this any day of the week for me uh, Mm. as best supporting that is. Wow. Very cool. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, That's good to know. I, I think as far as the, the, the structure of this film, we are basically 50-50. We are spending time in this investigation, very departed-like uh, story structure. Uh, and then we're given kind of 
a mix of personal time and public life in this Chicago Black Panther movement. I think on that public-private split of the Chicago Black Panthers, that's where the film is at its best because it's really introducing some some cool new ideas, obviously portraying the, the menacing aspect of what we see uh, through the feds and through law enforcement moving Lakeith into this organization. And, and it's portrayed so interesting because both sides, I mean, they're just, they're just scrambling. They're yeah, just scrambling yeah. with panic. Um, where it's pulling me in a different direction is I think is because, you know, the investigative side, it really does kind of boil down to been there, done that a little bit. Hmm. I don't think it's it's bad for any reason, but I think it's a little bit of a critique for me because, uh, honestly, the type of pressure that is introduced to Lakeith specifically and, and some of our characters, it, it feels just just so rehashed uh, when it comes to an interloper or a rat in an organization. Right, right. So it's just like lacking or it's just, it's it's no, um, there's just nothing new about it. I mean, you know, it, it could have, yeah. you know, like old same tricks can kind of still really work, mm-hmm. but there's almost like a, like you said, a, a, a been there, done that kind yeah. of a boringness to it. Yeah. And it, it's just lacking a certain depth or a, a, a a coolness that the rest of the yeah, film kind of has. It feels like the there there was there's actually a documentary that's referenced in the film for Lakeith's character, his his real life okay. uh, person, and it feels like maybe our, our writing team, our director, saw that documentary and said, "How do how do we make this into a dramatized uh, you know story?" Ah, ah okay. Uh, there's obviously natural drama there, but. It, it for that reason it makes me think that in that writer's room the departed was just so interweaved to how they want to tell this interloper story hmm. uh, i just it, it just it kind of pulled me in two directions for that reasons that said i cannot stress enough that the performances make up for that entirely and especially for Daniel's performance, I mean, it really is top notch. Not only what he's doing, but the charisma, the the type of charismatic leader that you want to see on screen. But also why he's getting so much heat, why he's so much, getting so much attention, why you know they're you know the feds are putting Lakeith to to uh, to be a Judas to his his Black Messiah for the right in the very name of the film. Uh, I, I think it it does escape that criticism of being maybe a little bland, a little rehashed because that second half of the coin yeah. is so great. It's so good it, and the acting really is so good. Notch. And Daniel has been like he's been on quite a rise. Like, in, like you know, with, Oh yeah, get out. With, uh, get out. Right, exactly. Absolutely. And absolutely. um I I'm wondering because uh he's British. Mm-hmm. Potential maybe new bond? Oh you think he has bond wow. quality? Maybe does he got the look? Does he have like you know maybe I, I, you know, I, I totally forgot about him and because everyone, when they say, you know, new Bond, baby Black Bond, you know, obviously everyone goes to... Um... Idris? Yes. Yeah, he's too old. <laughs> oh you, got, you got to pick somebody who's young, young 30s, you right, know, mid-30s, right. because, you know, you're going to have a four to five... Um, picture deal with them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. So I think I think very potentially, uh, but either That's way, I, yeah. I can't stress enough that like his performance here is dynamite. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would give him best supporting up against a lot of even historically best supporting winning actors wow. and, and performances. That's it awesome, top notch. And how's his screen? How much screen time? I mean, since he is a supporting, you know, uh, it is supporting. I would say maybe forty sixty. Uh, oh, okay. Because right, yeah. his private life is expanded upon so much, mm-hmm. and and I think that's as well that gives depths beyond just okay. This actor is obviously doing 
a good job at portraying the the rallies, the public speaking uh, that this character does. He takes that and he evolves it into private life, gotcha. and is still staying so true to that character, cool. Fred Hampton. So, uh, with that said, we will go ahead and give Judas and the Black Messiah an eighty on the dot. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Okay. A little bit of a big boy alert there. That's Absolutely. fantastic. Yeah. Eighty percent. Damn. Mm-hmm. Definitely something I should, probably should have watched last year, but you know. Well, it's so weird because again, just the release. The, is the release so is so weird because yeah. it technically came out in twenty twenty one, but mm-hmm. was but came out early enough to technically grab the twenty twenty Oscars mm-hmm. as well. Very strange, kind of weird. Maybe they were pushing the boundaries with like it being technically on a film festival circuit or something like that because they were just I think low so. on you know on nominations or something like that. You know, right, we're right, talking yeah. about twenty twenty here, you know, as far I as I think it went through the cycle of the film festivals too, yeah, big time. Yeah. But so. definitely something for us all to go back to. Absolutely. Uh, it's gonna go on my list for sure. Judas and the Black Messiah, eighty percent, very cool. Uh, all right, so we're gonna keep on going with again, you know, another twenty twenty one here. A little bit uh, different film here. We're gonna do Cop Shot, oh. directed by Joe Carnahan. <laughs> and we have Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo. Vin, what do we have? I am so excited to talk about this film. But folks at home, when I say a boy's watch, <laughs> <laughs> when I say get your boys together and watch an action movie. What? Really? I, I, this is that type of movie. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> How much this film scratches that itch of just a solid, well-woven action film. And it's from a director that I don't really like. Uh, he did Smoking Aces. Uh, mm. You know, stylized, but not good. You know, not a great movie at Would all. Would you say he's definitely a type of director? I mean, Smoking Aces and Cop Shot, they're kind of that action a yes. little bit of, right? Yep. Uh, and recently he did also a film called Boss Level, which I was... It's, it's on one of my lists, but wasn't really going to get around to it. I may now, right. because Cop Shop, I, I really... This I went really over my it. head, this one. I, I mine too. I don't reckon, I don't remember, remember when it came it out It looks very generic, but... <laughs> <laughs> it is a great time. Uh, awesome. Let me unpack it a little bit of why this this boy's watch is, a, is, is, is the way I'm kind of pitching it to you folks at home. is it, It's got a serious love of guns in this movie. Though it's got a, a, a very dumb dialogue, uh, the, you know, fuck is in every probably other word in, in a lot of sequences, uh, it's very entertaining. I mean, this film is, I would say, defined by knowing exactly what it is and doing a great job to maybe subvert expectations in some spots. And again, it, it interweaves a story. This is a uh, little action flick within a police station between a hit target and his assassin. That is Frank Grillo and uh, Gerard uh, Butler. Uh, and while that's, you know, those those guys are even our leads, we have a wonderful supporting cast. And, and really, I'll get into it in a moment, the, the best parts about this film are actually not at all those two build, top-built casts. Really? Not at all. I would say <laughs> they're probably the mediocre elements of it. Wow. Uh, but they give structure to where this film really shines. And, and again, it's more so about getting our main characters with a conflict in the same spot within a holding cell uh, of a... Of a of a, a police station. So I I think what was unexpected is it is a surprisingly well-woven story. There is uh, constantly callbacks, tiebacks into concepts introduced uh and just a really tight script for that reason. Uh again, I'm not saying that the script is 
anything highbrow or even relatively highbrow, but again, it, it kind of knows what it is and, and is very entertaining for that reason. Soundtrack, <laughs> I am a very big fan of. Okay. Um, Always helps. Steals the oh yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> steals the opening from Magnum Force, uh, which is uh, uh, the second Dirty Harry film, and actually for the second week in a row, uh, I'm uh, getting to bring up Lalo Schifrin as the composer here. Oh, cool. uh, he's not the composer, but they grab other motifs and and soundtrack beats uh, from the whole Dirty Harry franchise, cool. which is awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that music so so much. Yeah, there's something, uh, but the pace of the of the music is like perfect for an action absolutely. for that type of. Film, yeah. yeah, it has that '70s feel. Yep. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, and cop shot set set in the '70s. No, no, modern oh, okay, day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, really, really top notch. Uh, if they were going to grab a theme, the theme of Magnum Force. Uh, look it up, folks. I mean, it is just cool as ice. Uh, so great. Like I said, uh, my main criticism to this is a very dumb dialogue. Uh, it is riddled with curses, and I mean. It it's the best way I can kind of condense this is it's stupid in sound. It, it sounds stupid. It is not stupid in story. It is like if you if I read you the script for instance right. or anything like that, it would be I, bad. It would be look ridiculous. You, yeah, it it, it you, the, the, yeah. You know, the almost, sub, the almost subtitle. on the level of like a like a sci-fi like a you know sci-fi the channel film you know uh. or something <laughs> like that you know. Yeah, the uh, I mean, there's there's um, the tagline or like the subtitle is "Cop shot." Someone's got to take the hit. <laughs> Not the best. <laughs> That's on the movie poster. Get that yeah. marketing better a little bit. <laughs> but it just, you know, it's a pretense of how the script's going to yeah. be. Yeah. And, and, but I, I can't stress enough that even if the dialogue turns you off initially, uh, with, with how, m- how many curse words are in it or how much more importantly uh, that is used as kind of a, a break between uh, in sentence structures uh, for our characters and, and the lines they're delivering. It is. It, it, it's worth it. The the amount that is woven in together, it is a smart story despite a very lowbrow script. Okay. Uh, so Does it know it's lowbrow script? Like, I is it kind of so. making fun of itself a little bit? Um, quite possibly. I think, I think if there's a theme through all this is that this film absolutely understands what it is. Oh, know? okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost uh, a la John Wick, yeah, almost a la say. Nice Guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's very well woven for that reason. Let's talk about some performances, though. Uh, I have no interest in talking about Gerard or Frank. I have hilarious. interest in talking... <laughs> which they're not bad. They, they they sell the idea. Okay. They sell they sell the you know basically the uh, the entry uh, to this, but the standouts are two very specific standouts. Alex, uh, Ale- I'm sorry, Alexis Louder. I don't have much experience watching her on screen. She plays our fully good character uh, and a true badass on screen. Uh, she is a delight to watch <laughs> because she is smart. Uh, she is. Cool cool and if there's going to be a love of guns in characters it's her character which i i feel was such a great subversion uh of you know what we expect of uh, of a female lead or female supporting or in movies nowadays sure. specifically for you tom she has a a fascination and a love with single action army revolvers oh cool <laughs> uh, and 
It's used as, once again, if I had to sell kind of a well-woven story, mm-hmm. it's used as plot devices. It's not because, it's not she just has a single action army because she likes the the revolver, the style. Uh, you know, there's the typical jokes of like, oh, you know, that's a, that's an old gun or how, how are you going to kill anyone with that mm-hmm. uh, old-fashioned gun? It it relates to plot elements then, and it's it's just so, <laughs> such a tight little movie. Wow. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> Coming through the weeds, this movie. I I, mean. It really is. It really is. Uh, I and I for that reason why I was so excited to talk about it because who the hell's talking about cop shop? No one. Know? Never heard of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just think uh, also for for that note for Alexis, just a textbook way to write a badass female character on screen. It's not shoved down our throats in Good. any sort of way. Good. She is badass because of the actions. She sells herself, exactly. and she just plays a character great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not having to be told that she's a badass. I'm really being shown uh, that she's a badass. And over and over again for the for the movie, I mean, she outdoes Frank and Gerard. Wow. You know, that's both awesome. of them. That's two to one. That's awesome. Uh, she's she's great. This film, though, let's let's uh, one more highlight for the for the. You did say there was two actors, right? There is yeah, true. Okay. There is true. I had no idea who this actor was, but <laughs> wow. I, I mean, there's probably a lot of performances. You know, there, there, there are no names, but Toby Huss. Uh, I mean, right at the second act of this film, it's kind of getting a little slow. It's kind of crawling to a, a halt, and I was like, all right, well, this is where you know the film's going to lose a little bit of gas. Toby Huss gets. A, a, a mainline injection of not only not only fantastic action, but such chaotic energy on screen. He uh, like holy shit, he saves this movie. He so I'm actually I like Toby Huss a decent amount. Really, he was in a show called Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, okay. great AMC show that people don't pay attention really? to because it was overshadowed by some other stuff and The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby Huss, very good, and I hope to see him more. He reminds me a lot like Ed Harris, and not a lesser Ed Harris. Sure, just if you want Ed Harris, hey, Toby Huss works just as good. <laughs> yeah, right. Does that, make, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. But yeah, so I've never I'm, watched anything. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, he's in a couple some... other stuff too. But I wow. hope to see. I mean, he's older, but I hope to see him more. He was that's good to hear. so entertaining. Like the injection of chaotic energy into this film that he does. Not only, I mean, is it a, a you know, like a jaws of life on this film as it's just even slightly getting slow, but he is so entertaining on screen. I mean. Uh, if I really wanted to be critical that, you know, maybe if uh, it kind of comes out of nowhere and there's not a great lead-in, so it could be kind of just seen as, oh, they're just throwing in a wacky character. But his role in it not only is just, like, so endlessly entertaining, but I think he, it, it, once again, there's a, some great setup before he's introduced on screen and then some follow-through to tie it all back within this film. It just it I go back to how tightly woven this film is and what it sets up for itself and what it calls back to. I love it. I love uh, it. And if there is a reason to watch it, it is for Toby. Uh, all mean, right. Wow. It is... <laughs> It is. It, it we just, might have to check him out a little bit. I, I, I might have to. Yeah. I mean, he plays a very insane character in this, but a, a delight on screen. Absolutely. <laughs> just one of those like, oh, you you like action movies? Ah, uh, you gotta see him in this. You know that is great. Wow. Damn. Okay. Uh, cool. Absolutely. Uh, but bottom line, though, I I think on that very note, if you like action movies, it has it all, and uh, and probably is. Too entertaining for its own good. We're going to go ahead and give Cop Shop a 79. Woo! 
<laughs> I can't wait. Watch it with the boys. I can't wait. Boys watch BW. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good score. Oh, uh, yeah. I really had a ball with it. It was so endlessly entertaining. Because action films, it, it doesn't happen often where it's just like mm-hmm. when action films have that kind of, I don't know, do you think this could get a bit of a cult following, a bit of a John Wicky kind of? I think so. I uh, always hate to compare to John Wick. We're always bringing I, it up. Yeah, but the problem is it does strike a chord. John Wick was a bit of a trendsetter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And most people kind of know it too. I, I think so. And I, I I certainly feel similar energy in wanting to recommend this film for a boy's watch. or And maybe maybe I shouldn't make it just down to a boy's watch, but like an action film watch. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, this of course, has of electricity to it. Uh, and is really you know there's a lot of care put into That's this awesome. despite a, you know again it's it sounds dumb <laughs> it sounds simple it is a very good time and has some <laughs> really great action beats for it damn okay that's awesome. 79 is so good <laughs> uh, that's shaping out to be a pretty good uh, episode here man. absolutely well let's keep it going here maybe we you know let's see how good these last two are mm-hmm. this next one coming out big film for uh, Benedict Cumberbatch here and it is The Power of the Dog, directed by Jane Campion. <laughs> and uh, what kind? What do we have here? Talk about just like such a, a change in tone. <laughs> like this is this is such a drastically alter, uh, different film than, than, than Cop Shop. <laughs> it's great. The Power of the Dog. This is a movie about cattle brothers in 1920s Montana. Very cool. Um, yes, exactly. I, w- I was really interested in this uh, despite some uh, early Oscar buzz for this film. This was definitely one of those films that want to tackle early, hopefully kind of intercept some of the some well, of the nominations and get it done early. Well, it's funny that you said this in spite or despite the fact that it was going to get Oscar buzz, you, you still saw it. Yeah. Which yeah. goes to show what we think earlier, think of the Oscars. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, very cool, uh, you know. Yeah, I like that premise of late cowboy, you know, turn of the century cowboy. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. they're becoming a relic. Um uh, 1920s Montana, cattle ranching. This is very much a, rela- a relationship movie about two brothers. Uh, we have Benedict Cumberbatch, and actually the second time we're seeing him this week, Jesse... Uh, Jesse Plemons? Jesse Plemons. So, what else was uh, he in? He was in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, oh, he okay, played the okay. Fed, Gotcha, so. gotcha. Or, or the main Fed contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, it is very much a, about a relationship between brothers, jealousy within that relationship, stress and kind of rivalry uh and and for that reason i don't really find this movie to be a a western if i had to really call this something it's a character drama with late western dressings this has really nothing to do about cattle ranching this has really nothing to do with those concepts that I was excited to see it for of, of the evolution of what that life is becoming slowly a relic of that time of mm-hmm. turn of the century. It is just kind of the the setting dressings to this character drama, which is not a bad thing, whatever, uh, by, by whatsoever, but definitely something I want to note because I think this is being billed heavily as a Western, you know, through Netflix. You know, this is a big, you know, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. critical Western film, so... There is a lot of praise online for this. And if I was excited to to watch this movie, it was that classic case where I wanted to kind of check those expectations. This has a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Has a 94 now. Oh, 94. Well, Which is like go. nobody... They, there you go for how the, much do the we, variation there. Yeah, how yeah. everybody loves a changing number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just like... <laughs> 
That's his point. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is the, the point of like? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, um, it's got a it's got a ninety four right, yeah. as of right now. Who knows what will be tomorrow? And and, and listen, you know, I mean, I think Benedict is very good here. Uh, I think uh, his performance we'll get into in just a moment. But I, I gotta I gotta be honest. Uh, this is a pretty boring film. This is a snoozer, folks. Uh, it's two I, hours and six minutes as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's not just because. And I say this more so for Tom than anything. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, we talked about last episode where. Uh, you know, there is probably a 10-point bump that I give to science fiction films and probably a 10-point sink on Western films. <laughs> and it just so happens I'm a big, big Western person. Right, right. So when I watch a Western, if I had a, if I had my own ratings, yeah. I would be, I would always be making them Absolutely. probably 10 points higher than what people think they should be. You yeah. were like that. Well, and now that we're doing the daily ratings, you yes. definitely are able to check that at the door oh, a little for bit. sure. But it's always like, I want your Westerns up 10. It's very funny. I want you up 10 on Westerns, down 10 on sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. Complete opposite with me to you. It's <laughs> so good. Exactly. A real uh, Woody Buzz Lightyear dynamic we have going. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but <laughs> uh, when it comes to um, this movie, though, I mean, it's it, it, believe me, it's not for the reasons that it's Western stylings, but not being a real Western story. It's just, it's just very slow going. And it's, it's it finally picks up about an hour and 20 in in a really good way and introduces kind of the whole point of the film in a in kind of like a psychological drama i don't want to give too much away because this is really if if there's going to be a reason to watch this film it's where things pick up in this way but i I gotta let you know i mean it took an hour and 20 minutes to get there exactly that's where i'm coming from i mean it's a it's a snoozer up until then granted that is set up for why the later half of the film is so good eventually but critically here i mean much like a TV show, if I'm recommending you something and it says, "Oh well, you gotta wait until this point till it, until it gets good," that's not a good. That's... Or like, or like, hey, season two is good, so right, so get right. through that bad yeah, season yeah. one. Yeah, choke it down, and yeah, okay. I, it's it's yeah, and, Which, and that was very much this movie, you know. So did the fact that it was a western did it make it compelling? Was it beautifully shot, or was this more like a like was it just like a slow drama with western dressings? I, I think I, I the western setting, though it doesn't have maybe a follow through on why what type of story we're telling it does play into probably the biggest highlight which is cinematography this is a beautiful yeah, okay film cool uh, i would say this is a very big highlight we got big big land shot uh landscape shots interiors are gorgeous both in set design but also what they decide to put an emphasis on uh, this definitely plays into the relationship end of the brothers and ultimately what benedict cumberbatch's character is frustrated over uh and has so much anger with it. I, I think if there's a reason to watch this film, it is for a beautiful portrayal of uh, Montana cattle life mm. and maybe a little bit of a mix of civilization and certainly the Cattle Brothers having more money that it's 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 taking it to just a wonderful mix uh, of, a, of a time period. Okay, all right. Colors are cool. Colors are crisp. Uh, and I think while some of the themes of the films are given visual storytelling through the landscapes you know i i really think that the highlight there is just just the very large landscapes that we're looking at it does tie into some of the themes on its own though it just works so well cool uh, and and i think if we're going to give you know anything to the credit of why this has to be a called a western in some way it's for how 
the ranch life, the cattle life plays into masculinity, plays into the landscape. There's shots of horse muscles and and harsh mountain landscape, mm. and 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 I, I think that that tells a story in itself. Um, give me a little bit of Fargo vibes of how the setting is telling a story in itself. Oh, so, not a bad thing. Uh, definitely not a bad yeah. thing. And I would say really the biggest highlight of uh, of this movie. So, but I think where this boils down, it is this is a movie. Benedict Cumberbatch is acting angry, acting frustrated the whole movie. He's certainly doing a good job. Um, the anger is expanded upon, of course. Uh, and once we get an understanding for the anger, it is it is certainly powerful. Uh, he's definitely doing a good job as far as the role, but it's just so painfully boring. And we don't mm. get into the explanation of that anger, and we definitely don't get into the best part about this film with a psychological element until very late in it. Uh, and that that's where I'm kind of coming very lukewarm with this. Uh, it's certainly acted well, but I think the stakes are weak. Uh, it just takes too long to grab us in to that and, and, and explain that. It, Kristen and Jesse, uh, Kristen Stewart, uh, no, why am I saying Kristen Stewart? Uh, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> I don't know why I had Kristen. <laughs> Goes to show you what you thought of the performance. <laughs> and, uh, despite being in a real world relationship, I, I think it's some of the weakest part of the film. Like they, there's very little chemistry on screen. Uh, you know, there's. Wait, I don't are know. they a couple in real? In- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, okay, uh, maybe, maybe we have some, some, good, some good chemistry on screen. Maybe he was pissed in real life at her, and that's why he, <laughs> <laughs> he was so good at <laughs> well, 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 Jesse and, and Kirsten are the couple. Uh, I mean, I don't oh, okay. know. Yeah, it's, it's – man, I, I can't – I can't stress enough that it was just it was just too boring for what the payoff became hmm, with okay. this. And I and again I can't take away the performance from Benedict. He is certainly playing a very his character his struggles, where the anger comes from, it is expounded upon and I think it's a pretty good matching for the solitude that comes with ranch and cattle life at the time. It's just it's just too long. It's just too long to get there, mm, and yeah. and far too boring. Uh, not engaging enough uh, during the ride there. It eventually gets there, and that's where I want to make sure my perspective is always balanced for you folks at home. Because if if you're really invested, if you love Benedict Cumberbatch, this is probably a very solid, if not a great watch, up until those Rotten Tomato ninety fours. Uh, because if you're engaged with it, guess what? That boring stuff isn't boring anymore. But uh, I. I just it, it just did not give enough, uh, and especially where the story goes, it makes me wonder, you know, where was this? Where was this focus uh, half of the movie? It should have been sprinkling these psychological elements throughout the... Wow, to exactly. Get you something to bite your teeth into a little bit, to hang on to. Give, exactly. Give you, yeah, something to hang on. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, like you said, if you love Benevin Cumberbatch, it might be different, but, like, you know, so many people... Who doesn't? Like, we love Benevin Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it still wasn't enough for you to be hanging on. Yep, exactly. So, you know, it sucks like you had to wait an hour and 20, really, like you said. yeah. yeah. Till, till it gets going. I just think, I don't know, it just did not live up to that immense hype that you see online. I don't think by any extent it is a bad movie, but uh, if there is a role I can play for you folks at home, it is checking that hype and uh, and setting a little bit more of a consistent and, and fair expectation and rating for... Uh, these films, especially when there's a lot of buzz around it. I think uh, for that reason, 
you know, give it a watch if you are finding yourself a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, if you want to see the eventual good that happens in the movie, and I'm certainly, uh, I'm, I'm certain it's probably going to be on a lot of watch lists uh, come Oscar season. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. with that said, we will go ahead and give The Power of the Dog a 62. Yeah, 62, still not bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe if that first hour and 20 had a little bit more, a little bit more of, like you said, that peppering in of what we see in the second yeah, half. Yeah, just, just, just hint us in on where it's going. Yeah, probably could, I, you'd probably be bumping it up a decent absolutely. amount. Absolutely, yeah. because it is, it is good eventually, but just snoozer. Take, yeah, it takes a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, then 62 for The Power of the Dog. Very good. All right, folks, we have one more here to go. That is our In Theaters Now film. But again, we want to take a second here to do our producer segment. We want to remind everybody at home we are going off of the value for value model. So if if you, you know, if you're checking into the podcast, if you're checking into the website, you know, before you go to watch a movie, you click play, something like that. You know, if you're getting value from kind of our content here, if you could become a producer yourself and you can go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab and donate whatever amount of value you want. So, you know, um, we have some fun subscribe we have some fun uh we have a weekly and some monthlies we have one-time donations that are kind of preset kind of like fun little donations that have to do with us the daily ratings mm-hmm. uh, but if you want any silly amount that you want to give us go for it <laughs> silly donations right silly, silly donations and the cool thing is when you donate you know you're an official producer you get that credit you can write in a note and we read that note right on air right here on the producer segment it opens up dialogue with you um you know you can be as upset with us you can have ideas for us it's just almost open dialogue and it's a it's a through line to all of all of you guys and um you know so we appreciate all you who help produce this podcast and the daily ratings you know takes time takes a little bit of money as well so it just really helps us keep this going vin and i host you guys help produce and it's and it's huge for us we look at something like a Rotten Tomatoes that's owned by massive companies and are, you know, changing the score. It's just like, it's ridiculous. Mm, mm. That's ridiculous. And giving, you know, these high 90s, it's it's crazy. And you might say like, hey, you know, hey, Judas and the Black Messiah only in 80% when other people are like, you have to understand, 80 is phenomenal for the daily Absolutely, ratings. You know, yeah. we, it's very much more difficult to reach those, you know, upper 80s and upper 90s for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, think about how many films are out there. When an eight, when it cracks 80, especially when it cracks 85, mm-hmm. these are some of the best movies ever made, mm-hmm. you know. And truly worth your time and for that reason. For anybody's time. You mm-hmm. know, when you hit that 85, this is a movie for anybody to sit down and watch mm-hmm. and enjoy. And that's why people who just are giving out high scores left and right, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And we try to bring it back down to earth. That 80% is incredible incredible score that cop shot at a 79 <laughs> it's fantastic that is so, that's, so, that's awesome yeah so that's kind of how we operate it's how we do things here and again when you become a producer when you donate you get that direct line to us you get mm-hmm. you get to write in and we'll read it on air and it opens up dialogue with all you so we appreciate it so much again so dailyratings.com just head to the donations tab and with that said let's keep it going this is our in theaters now film we have Belfast. Yes. Okay. So uh, this uh, technically, I believe, was on a film circuit in early September and now is just having some theatrical releases. Um, yeah, a little bit wider release now, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe not super wide because, you know, it's it's still having to deal with uh, the heavy hitters of December and whatnot sure, sure. And, and January. But uh, I was happy to see this film because... As far as hype goes, this film has a lot of buzz around it. Uh, I want to actually start with a little bit of how this film was billed uh, and the soundtrack. This film was uh, billed, I think, in marketing material as a musical. That is not the case here. And I bring it up because I think when a lot of audience members hear musical, that's going to be a turnoff or that's going to be something that they avoid. This is a very music-heavy film and... 
you don't have characters singing on screen, but you do have Van the Man Morrison uh, doing, <laughs> doing the soundtrack on this one. Uh, I think my favorite parts about it are when it is just solo saxophone with atmospheric sounds. Oh, okay. And there's a lot of music being interwoven here. Where I'm not so much of a fan is when it is just straight up songs. It's not that his music is bad in quality. If anything, I am a fan of Van Morrison quite a bit. But there are just a few too many, and it's a little bit too much in the forefront. I would say if there's anywhere that that kind of musical designation or description of it as a genre is coming through is that there's just significant sequences in this film that it's just Van Morrison's song just playing straight up. Okay, okay. Uh, so a little bit good and bad. I think what he's doing in the score and what he's doing in the more atmospheric elements are really a highlight for me. Uh, this movie is set in the real-life conflict between Protestant citizens and a Catholic supremacist group called the Troubles. I had no idea about this. Yeah. Uh, definitely was ignorant to it. When I saw it in 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 some of the marketing and whatnot, I thought it was uh, um, uh, Irish Republican Army uh, or IRA and... It was it was confusing initially paying attention to it, but this is a, a real-life accounting of it. And while it may not be a biopic, probably one of the more fascinating elements about this film, it is the real-life recalling of the director's childhood. Oh, um, very cool. Yeah, and I really think in that presentation is where I want to pitch why this film is worth your time. There is an interwoven of news footage, of love of movies uh, in this film, and it does a good job at casting the time period, but it clearly shows uh, you know, the building blocks of what led to uh, the director's life. I think why this film moves into something that is absolutely something you should make time for is that it's portraying this very serious, very violent, you know, almost almost unbelievably violent hmm. uh, civilian conflict uh, from a child's eyes and dances the line between youthful, funny moments and, you know, interwe- interweaving that between a family drama fueled by an extremely hateful conflict. And I think that balancing act is is brilliant, honestly. Uh, really does a great job with this. This movie is best when we are following our main kid, uh, which is which is uh, the director, or at least supposed to be a stand-in for the director in some way, and sampling the local life, sampling the, uh, the characters and the, if you will, the local fare of uh, 1969 Ireland. Oh man, that's this is okay. Turning out to be pretty cool. Absolutely, I'm glad you're explaining it a little bit too, because you know, so we're not going in blind to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Especially with the um, connection to the director, which uh, Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. by the way, who's, who's really a, a big actor. So, so some of you guys might know him. He plays the main guy in uh, Murder of the Oriental Express. Yep, yep. Which the new one's coming out, Death on the Nile, mm-hmm. which is along the mm-hmm. same lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he was, he was in um, Dunkirk, played the captain. Yeah. And, oh, and, that's right. He was in Dunkirk. Yeah, or Absolutely. the general or something like that on the yep. dock. So yep. people have an idea who we're talking about. You can picture him a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, I I think it's, again, I can't stress enough, you could take telling this conflict and try to tell a story of what it's like to live during that time and, and go through that conflict. And I think probably the temptation in any writing of that is 
well, let's tell the story of who's getting affected, the families that are affected by this, you know, mm-hmm. about this civilian conflict, about this religious conflict, uh, and one of, you know, in 1969, not, not overwhelmingly, you know, long ago. Pairing this, or, or rather having the lens of a child's eyes be how we consume this and also keep a, a brevity to the film. There are youthful and, and, and legitimately funny and cute moments uh, of us going around through this child's life and then pairing it with this heartbreaking drama mm. of this conflict, it really is a, an amazing movie for that reason. Wow, uh, cool, Top cool. notch for that reason. So good kid acting too, like... Oh, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. It is against all odds uh, good kid acting. I feel... What, what was recently we why, talked why about? Why against all odds? Just because... I when, hate kid actors. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I forget what film it was. We were talking about that recently, though, for mm, sure. We, yeah, we, we released an episode where there was good kid Five a week, folks. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I get Alzheimer's from this. <laughs> but, I mean, really, uh, if we are going to, if that, that kid element is going to be sold, it is by the boy, I believe it's Jude Hill. Jude Hill, yeah. Um, and, and does a really solid job here. Uh, almost steals some scenes in how charming he is. Uh, I mean, just so adorable. And, and, I, and, and you could say, oh, well, I mean, you know, you can have a cute kid on screen. What does that do? It, 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 again, it is the specific pairing of heartbreaking and, and, and very real conflict mm. uh, in, in, in that country at the time and in, in between religions. I mean, very deep-seated as well. Historically, it's the specific pairing of light and uh, you know, moments that have a lot of brevity and, and, and happiness to how any kid would experience life uh, and experience their loved ones around them. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's how it's combined. Uh, is is just so great, so I, I'm I'm very happy to say Jude Hill, though a kid, yeah, young mean, kid, yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say if I had to give how this dance in between and obviously a kid focus is done, um, this is like a, a, a obviously a historical but more serious version of like a Jojo Rabbit, uh, huh, where okay. you have a, a kid focus around you know obviously Jojo Rabbit was was comedic in nature but had that dance similar dance sure absolutely of, yeah of brevity and drama so let's talk about some supporting Judy Dench is probably going to be a very big contender for Best Supporting Actress. Okay. She does a phenomenal job. Her and, ooh, I'm going to mispronounce, I think it's Kyrian Hines. I'm so bad with these C names. Kyrian, Syrian. Syrian. I don't think it's Syrian. I, I think it's probably Kyrian. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't have an experience with Kyrian as, as an actor, but uh, her and Kyrian, uh, Judy Denton and Kyrian Hines uh, are amazing as the grandparents mm-hmm. in this cool. and um, probably are the best moments of the best moments when we're following um, the boy around uh, and ex- experiencing some of the local life and, and kind of tapping into a, you know little day in the life type of sequences they are just so immersed in the uh, in, in you know that, that type of life not wanting to leave Belfast with the conflict mm. you know I think they fit a very important role of when, when we're looking at the conflict on screen, especially being a family drama, uh, so common, I think, the critique to, to this story would be, well, why don't you just leave? Like, why are you staying around in this clearly hostile environment? You know, sure. It's a war yeah. zone. Uh, they, they play a role to balance that out and, and really are just so amazing. Both of them are, are phenomenal on That's screen. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, yeah. Uh, and I was happy to see for Judy Dench because, I mean, I don't know really what she's been in since Skyfall. I, I can't, Cats. Oh, 
don't speak the name. <laughs> so this is forbidden. I think she does a lot of plays as well and everything oh, like true, that. Maybe true. a little quiet during COVID. Um, right. But if we went back, I'm sure she was in a decent amount of stuff. But Cats, that was a big one. <laughs> but I mean, Judy Dench, 87 and still rocking it. You know? Yeah, and, and, and really does a great job. Um, some really heartbreaking moments. But really just, uh, honestly, very enjoyable. Again, it, it they encompass, that, that, that dynamic encompasses the best part about this uh, sampling day in the life uh, through the boy's eyes. So, uh, a great movie, though. Uh, I can't. I, I am very happy to say, very opposite the case of uh, the Power of the Dog, uh, because this is a movie that has a lot of hype, and I think really does live up to it because yeah. of how unique it is. And again, I can't stress enough how much it dances that line. You know, the betrayal of a very serious matter through child's eyes or uh, a child's eyes. You know, it is wonderfully executed, uh, and I think for that reason, we are going to go ahead and give Belfast an 82. Wow. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. 82. Give it a Again, shot. Again, a little under the radar. I mean, it's, it's getting a little bit of buzz, but because it's a bit of indie, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, go ahead and if while it's in your limited theaters, go for it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was happy to see, especially for the director, this is clearly such a passion project of like... Telling oh. his life through a story. Yeah, because he wrote it too. Directed yeah. and wrote it. Yeah, it's uh, and it, it, baby. Believe me, this could very easily go into kind of like a self congratulatory, like this. You know, the, uh, my love of movies was born here. No, it's so good. It's so good. That's so. awesome. And then like maybe keep an eye on uh, Jude Hill. That the years as far as he goes <laughs> from you know go kid to, to yeah to, to to teen to young adult to Absolutely. see he keeps on going with it. Absolutely. Um, and also should be said, uh, shot in black and white, correct? Oh yes, so, yes, I forgot to mention. Yeah, that. well, last week we had our, our you know, uh, the Macbeth film yep, shot yep. in black and white, and this one too, black it's, and white. Uh, everyone wants black and white. It's good. Normal aspect ratio though for this, right? Yes, yeah, yes. not bar black bars on the side. Or anything. Uh, and actually, believe it or not, starts in color but does stylistically turn into black and white oh. uh, at, 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 at you know a main moment. Basically. That's kind of cool. Very. Opposite of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Oh, the true inverse, inverse Wizard of Oz. Huh. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, eighty-two. That that's huge. I mean, that's yes. a very, very good score. Mm-hmm. Something that um, I think most people, I guess, should should sit down and watch it. You know, it's an hour and thirty-eight minutes, and it's, it just sounds like a solid story. A very solid, solid story. Very solid. Yep. All right. Very cool, Vin. Um, hey, I mean, we have some good movies here. Very good movies here. Is there anything you'd like to add to this episode, or it's, are we going to have roll credits it's here? a solid week. Uh, I'm looking forward to more. I'm looking forward to uh, what's cooking the books for Fred Astaire February. Yes, so sir. stay tuned, and uh, hopefully I can you know, give you some new movies that weren't even relatively on your radar. So. That's awesome, Vin. Uh, we thank you for uh, watching those movies for us and then stopping by. And also, folks, thank you for stopping by as well and giving us a listen. We're going to run through this one more time here. We have Funny Face with a 70%, Judas and the Black Messiah at 80 Cop Shot with a 79 The Power of the Dog with a 62 and Belfast with an 82%. Again, thank you so much here for stopping by and listening to us, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of film. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. 
so we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.